Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, that's the gambit. I dig into the big ideas of Loki episode 6, for all time, always. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I will be sharing my thoughts on the season finale of Loki. I do not have a guest on the podcast with me this week, but I do want to give a special thank you to all of the people who guested on my Loki episodes, namely Rob, CH, Daniel, and Danny, for joining me in this process of unpacking the big ideas of this series week to week. This past week has been a big one for MCU fans. The MCU is back on the big screen with Black Widow, a film that I have so far seen four times and I am so genuinely excited about. On top of that, we have the Loki finale and the official announcement of Loki season two, which of course means that the finale we saw this week, episode six for all time always, is not a series finale in the way that the finale of WandaVision was, and presumably the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was as well, but a season finale. And that kind of changes things a little bit in the way that we talk about it, as opposed to those others. So, Loki was the Disney Plus show that going in, I was probably most excited for, and it did not disappoint. I'll say it was not at all what I expected. Perhaps the only thing that I expected that I got right was the fact that it would star Tom Hiddleston as Loki and that I would love his performance. But as the story unfolded, there were zigs where I expected zags and all sorts of delightful surprises. I generally found this very effective. And as Daniel said previously, when we discussed episode four, each episode revealed something new that changed what we had seen come before it. And I really liked this technique. Unlike WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which had final episodes that brought in big action set pieces, this one stayed very true to the nature of the show as it was all along. Loki season one focused heavily on dialogue. It focused heavily on character development and character interactions, scenes that really took its time, scenes in which maybe not much more quote unquote happened than a couple of characters sitting in a room and talking to each other. And so the finale here really did what the show excelled in all along. Of course, there were unanswered questions. There were things that when the episode ended, I was like, ah, man, but what about? And that's okay, because we do know now that we have a confirmation of a season two coming out. So as I said, it kind of changes the function of what this finale is. I think at first, when I was hearing rumors about the season two, I was maybe a little bit reluctant about it because what has made the Disney Plus series so special has been kind of this idea that they are one installment in this overlapping universe. How does that change when you have a season to season structure? Because then the seasons have to interact with each other, but they also have to interact with everything else that's going on in the current in the current release order of what's happening with the MCU. So I imagine it will be a bit complex, but if anybody can do it, Marvel Studios can do it. 
And I'm not ready to say goodbye, certainly not to Loki, nor to Sylvie, Mobius, Ravona, Hunter B-15, creepy Miss Minutes herself. I really hope to see all of these characters return in season two. And of course, the big one, the new character introduced in this episode, Jonathan Majors as He Who Remains, though many comic fans know and people like me through conversations with comic fans know that this character is likely a variant of Kang the Conqueror, who we will, of course, see in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and I'm anticipating we will see him in other installments in the MCU coming up as well. His performance is the big standout from the finale for me, one of the biggest standouts from this Loki series. His performance is absolutely electric. His mannerisms, his line delivery, the way he's kind of casually eating this apple when we first meet him, he is weirdly welcoming to Loki and Sylvie and to us. He's charismatic, yet super menacing and just a very, very intriguing villain straight from the get-go. An actor who I can't wait to see how he pulls off the many iterations of this character who is likely, we're, we're likely going to see different variants of him. And certainly this is an actor who is poised to do those variations extremely well if his performance here is any indication. And I'm just so genuinely excited for Jonathan Major's arrival in the MCU and for the way that this show kind of did the unexpected in introducing a new character in its last episode. But then again, it's not a series finale. It's a season finale. It can end in this way, which is really exciting. And as always, the Marvel Cinematic Universe completely paying off fans' investment in the overlapping nature of this world, knowing that we're going to see this actor portray a particular character in a movie down the line, seeing him here, the knowledge now of the of the multiverse and variants being a thing is just so completely satisfying and exciting. I think this finale wrapped up the themes of this season in a very effective way. We have a few characters specifically talking about the idea of free will and destiny, kind of bringing it back to those very first concepts that were introduced in the first two episodes. And we also, just like we did in previous episodes, we have this idea about change and about purpose. We see Loki and Sylvie as two perfect foils to each other in their relationship to their own concept of their purpose, as well as their ability to change or not. And as Danny talked about last week, this concept of individuality in the end, you know, we've been asking all season long, what makes a Loki a Loki? And here we have Sylvie saying a hugely important line that I'll dive into a little bit more in a few minutes, but I'm not you when she talks to Loki. And so we really see that individuality and we see a Loki who changes and we see a Loki in Sylvie who doesn't change. This is really rich thematic stuff, and I really hope to be able to see these characters interact again in the future. So as always, even though I don't have a guest with me here today, I am going to go through the episode and pull out some of the key scenes and key lines that really stood out to me that connect to these themes of change and purpose, free will and destiny, as well as just exciting, fun moments in this episode that really do so much to not only 
satisfy MCU fans and satisfy Loki fans, but to also open up a plethora of new possibilities for this universe moving forward. So, of course, this week, the Marvel fanfare in the opening title card was replaced by the song that Steve and Peggy danced to at the end of Endgame. That song is, of course, called It's Been a Long, Long Time. And as we're seeing the clips from the previous movies and our heroes on the screen, we hear different quotes from various characters in the MCU overlapping and morphing and kind of becoming distorted in a very cool way. We hear very serious and character-forming lines, and we hear some uh, sillier, lighter type of lines. And the first time I watched this, I was like, what's going on? Is this a new (laughs) opening that we're going to see moving forward in the MCU in different shows and movies, or is this a one-off thing? And then as it kind of zoomed out into the universe, and you start hearing quotes from real people throughout history, people like um, Nelson Mandela and Neil Armstrong, I was like, okay, I think I see what they're doing here. One of the things that kind of struck me as funny and delightful was while we're hearing quotes from world leaders and other important people from the real world, it also includes Vision's line from WandaVision, what is grief if not love persevering? So I kind of loved hearing that quote alongside Maya Angelou or or whichever was the next one. Um, It kind of delighted me. But stunning visuals here uh, throughout this series, Kate Heron, the director, there's really some beautiful visuals in this Loki series, some of the best that we've seen in in the shows and, and even the movies of the MCU. So I think this opening successfully puts the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is already this overlapping, sprawling thing into context. And by zooming out, it really kind of shows just how small that experience is compared to what's out there in not just the universe, but the multiverse. And I think that worked really well. It reminds me of what we saw in the first episode of Loki with all of the Infinity Stones thrown away in the drawer. It makes us put in perspective that even the vastness of what we've already seen in this sprawling story tapestry, there are still places to go after this. We can zoom out still, and then we can zoom back in. And that's kind of my favorite thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is over the years, they've already done this, and I anticipate that they'll do it more and more, is that you zoom out and you get and you get these interactions across the multiverse, but then you also can zoom back in and you can get these insular personal stories. One of the reasons why I loved Black Widow so much was that it was a zoom back into an insular personal story, particularly for a character who who I really was very eager to see more parts of, of her story. And, and I love that that continues to be a possibility as we move forward in the MCU, that yes, it's getting bigger, but there are also those opportunities to go smaller as well. I'll also say this while Black Widow is on my mind. And frankly, Black Widow has been on my mind a lot. <laughs> I've watched it four times this week and anticipate that I will be watching it many more times moving forward. But regardless, I, you know, if we have in phase four of the MCU so far, we have the three shows, Loki, Falcon, WandaVision, and we have Black Widow. Across all of these, there are some of these consistent themes, like free will is coming up in all of these. You know, autonomy is coming up in all of these. And that's something that I'm hoping to actually do an episode on in the coming weeks is looking at phase four already and looking at some of those overlapping ideas. Because I think there's some rich stuff there that I haven't fully unpacked, but I'm excited to do so. But getting back into this episode, 
Another thing that I wanted to just mention quickly was the, hey y'all, jump scare from Miss Minutes. Genuinely <laughs> got me. Miss Minutes has been delightful all season. I love the design of her. I love the voiceover work by Tara Strong. I love just how weird <laughs> this little character is and the way that she interacts with the uh, the human actors of the show. It's such a strange thing. And it was cool to see her here kind of like functioning as this, this gatekeeper before before Loki and Sylvie came face to face with He Who Remains, uh, almost like Peter at the gates of heaven or something like this, but in an inverted way, uh, the, the kind of her idea of, of trying to tempt them away. There's something religious going on here that I haven't fully formed, right? She's trying to offer them this deal, maybe a deal with the devil, so to speak, so that they can live the lives they've always wanted. And the scene really reveals a lot about Loki's character because here we have someone offering him everything that at the beginning of the series we thought and he thought that he would have wanted, right? We see him, the series opens up. It's 2012. She says to him, how would you like to win, right? And not just the Battle of New York, but kill Thanos, get the Infinity Gauntlet, get the Throne of Asgard, all of these things that he has claimed that he has wanted. and." This is such a great storytelling technique, right? To have this character who, as we said at the beginning of the series, he was stripped of, of his identity. He was broken down. This whole series been, has been about him interacting with other versions of himself, getting to know himself, getting to know others and care for others, and unpacking for himself what this idea of glorious purpose means. Now he's presented with exactly what he wanted at the beginning. What's he going to do? And then she offers Sylvie uh, the opportunity to wake up with a lifetime of happy memories, which doesn't sound like a lot compared to <laughs> what uh, is being offered to Loki here, but it does seem that this is the big thing that Sylvie has wanted. Well, frankly, Sylvie has been all about the mission, right? And she says that back in episode three. So for her, accomplishing the mission is what she wants, and that's not something that Miss Minutes is going to offer her. Miss Minutes is trying to tempt her away from accomplishing her mission. And this is all she can kind of do here is say a lifetime of happy memories. Of course, Ms. Minutes also tells them that they could be together on the timeline, picking up on the feelings between these two people. And of course, they respond to her and they say, this is a fiction. And Loki saying the hugely important line, we write our own destiny now. But of course, it's not that simple. And so creepy Ms. Minutes says, sure you do. Good luck with that. And then things get really crazy. So in the episode, they intercut the scenes between He Who Remains and Loki and Sylvie with some of the stuff going on at the TVA. But I want to talk about their interaction with He Who Remains kind of as one piece and dig into some of the significance of that. So first of all, as I mentioned already, Jonathan Major's performance as He Who Remains here is truly something else. A wonderful introduction of not just a villainous character, but a character in general. He's immediately engaging and and just pops off the screen. I love how after we see him avert Sylvie's attacks a couple of times, she's goes after him again and he's just like, so we're still doing that. Hmm? It, it was just like the matter of fact kind of casual way in which he spoke, the fact that he was so completely not threatened by them at all. It was just such an intriguing way to introduce a character. I love when he calls Loki a flea on the back of a dragon in for one hell of a ride, but you did manage to hang on. What a great image. We get the callback to the first episode 
in which Loki is faced with the script of everything he's ever said. And we see here that he who remains has this printout of everything that has happened up to this point. He says, you can't kill me because I already know what's going to happen. I know it all and I've seen it all. Every step you took to get here, lamentous the void, I paved the road, you you just walked down it. Which is a great thing for Loki to be confronted with here in this last episode of the series because this is what he's been resisting every episode, right? Is making choices, fighting against this idea that his story has already been told for him, fighting against this idea that his destiny is laid out. And here he is faced with this being at the end of all of it saying, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. And he who remains even says, you know, you can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. This stuff, it needs to happen to get all of us in the right mindset to finish the quest. And that could be kind of a a mission statement uh, for, for Loki's experience in this show, for the show itself. You can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. An interesting line to unpack too, because we're looking at this idea of free will versus destiny. And even if the road is paved, right? The road is laid out by, in this case, he who remains, this idea that each step that Loki or whomever it may be takes along the way is part of the process of them becoming who they are. It's kind of an interesting paradox, so to speak. A couple of other things that stand out from the interaction between those characters. I love when when they ask he who remains, what are you so afraid of? And again, just Jonathan Major's line delivery is so good, the very long pause he takes before he says me. And of course, he tells the story of his variant, the scientist in the 31st century who discovered the stacked universes. I love the phrase narcissistic self-congratulatory peace. And when Jonathan Majors was cast for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Media, he was cast as Kang the Conqueror specifically. But I do wonder if we're going to also see the story of, of this scientist variant, the one who discovered the multiverse to begin with. I don't know where we'll see that, whether that be in Loki season two or that be in Ant-Man or some other installment here. But it'd be I, I think it would be interesting to see that character and not just in the storytelling way that we got here, but more specifically, but we'll see. I think it did work well for this episode that they didn't use uh, flashes or anything like that, that instead we saw him, you know, illustrate it in front of them. There's obviously a lot of exposition in this scene, right? It's a lot of this character, he who remains explaining what happened and how we got to this place. And while typically it's never a great thing to tell instead of show. I, I do think it works here because, again, this Loki series all along has been very much about these intellectual conversations, these dialogues. It's a lot more about dialogue than it is about action. And that's a completely valid and, in my opinion, interesting way of telling a story. And it's a little bit different than what we're used to in the MCU. And I really like what they're doing here, as well as in some of the other phase four installments so far that they're that the writers and directors and other creatives who were involved in, in in these installments are putting their own kind of flair on it and taking some different approaches. And I'm excited about that. Shout out to a couple more He Who Remains lines when he sings Amen <laughs> and then just goes, no. Uh, again, really well done, well performed. I love if you think I'm evil, just wait until you meet my variants. How's that for menacing? Great, great introduction to a villain who can be with us here for a while in the MCU. And then he presents Loki and Sylvie with this. That's the gambit. Stifling order or cataclysmic chaos. You may hate the dictator, 
but something far worse is going to fill that void if you depose of him. I've lived a million lifetimes. I've gone through every scenario. This is the only way. The TVA, it works. And Sylvie says, or you're a liar. And he says, or I'm a liar. Right? So he gives them these two options. You can kill me and destroy all of this. But he says, you won't just have one devil. You'll have an infinite amount. Or the second option is that they run the TVA themselves. They maintain the sacred timeline themselves and they get what they've wanted. It's a fantastic storytelling device here to present the characters with two choices. But of course, as we know, it, it really is a false dichotomy, right? In many ways, he's presenting them with order versus chaos, positioning it so that they're forced to choose. What if there is another option? What if we take some time to think about it? Uh, is there a right answer to this? I think that's what Loki wants to explore is, is there another way? When he asks Sylvie, can we take some time? Can we think about it? I think that he's recognizing that it feels a little bit too neat that it's one or the other. But of course, I also think it makes a ton of sense for Sylvie that she behaves the way that she does here. I think it's also powerful when Kang says to her, grow up, Sylvie, murderer, hypocrite, we're all villains here. We've all done horrible, terrible, horrific things, but now we, you, have a chance to do them for a good reason. This is such a satisfying way to conclude this season of the show, to conclude this story arc. These two characters, the Loki, that we have these two characters, that they're both variants of each other, they have this kinship, they're being faced with this decision, and they're not on the same page about what to do with this decision. We have Loki who has grown and who has changed, who's being faced with the offer of everything he's ever wanted, and now realizes that maybe he wants something else. We have Sylvie who has been intent on this mission. It's what's given her her purpose, and here she has the opportunity to get what she wanted to conclude this mission. We've gotten the suggestion that perhaps maybe she's also come to want something else. Maybe she's come to want some type of relationship with Loki. But the decision that she makes here is not to change, to not veer off the course of what she had defined as her purpose for herself. So the interaction between these two characters, I think, is just as powerful and more powerful than any kind of physical battle that we really could have seen we have Loki who is genuine and earnest and crying and really bearing his soul to Sylvie. And this is a character who has tricked us so many times and tricked people so many times. And now he is uh, kind of mocking that, right? Evil Loki's master plan comes together, right? Like, it's kind of like, is that what you think? He has perspective now. He says, this is bigger than our experience. Why aren't we seeing this the same way? Oh, man, it's powerful stuff. He says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want the throne. I just, I just want you to be okay. And they do kiss here. But afterwards, she says, but I'm not you and pushes him through the door. And man, that look on Tom Hiddleston's face when he's back in the TVA and he just looks so heartbroken because not only has Sylvie made this decision that he clearly is very worried about what the future of the universe is going to be based on the decision that she's making, but also because he had this personal connection with her and now he finds himself the one who is betrayed. I don't know if she was completely tricking him all along. I think that she did feel something for him. 
the extent to which that was romantic or familial or whatever that may be, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's open for interpretation. However, she felt something for him. I, I do believe that. I don't think she was stringing him along all, all, all the whole time. But that's ultimately what's the difference between her and him is that he has been able to grow into someone who was willing to redefine his sense of his glorious purpose and to trust when he says to her um after she asks why aren't we seeing the same way i think i apologize i think i said that he said that before but she asks why aren't we seeing this the same way and he says because you can't trust and i can't be trusted and oof like is if that doesn't hit hard if that isn't some gift of the magi level ironic uh, poetic dramatic irony I don't know what it is. Um, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. He has been able to let his guard down and trust her, but she isn't there. She can't trust him. And he knows that he has a long pattern of not being trustworthy. And of course, when she says in that moment, then I guess we're in a pickle. Yeah, to say the least, right? So on top of this heartbreak and betrayal that Loki suffers here at the end of the episode as well, he is trying to explain everything that happened to Mobius and B-15. And of course, that awful moment in which Mobius doesn't recognize Loki, doesn't know Loki, that hit really hard. Who are you? What's your name? Who are you? And then that's the end of it. And man, I, again, so, to me, it's such a good ending because it is an ironic one, because it is a sad one. It opens up all of these other directions for where season two could go. I'm so curious with Loki now. You know, he he's changed. He's redefined his purpose. He didn't go for the throne when he could. He trusted people. Even though Sylvie didn't trust him, he showed that he could be capable to be trusted, that he was capable of being trusted. Um, but here, he it didn't work out for him. He made all of these decisions that that showed change, that showed growth, and yet he didn't succeed here and that's a shame and so it reminds me of what kid loki says in episode five right when lokis do kind of veer off their course and try to do what's good they get sent to the void right it's like he's being punished for changing uh who he is he's being punished for growing he's being punished for kind of being showing that individuality as opposed to um what's expected of loki behavior it's really powerful stuff and really intriguing, and I'm very much looking forward to what's going to happen in this next season. I have a lot of questions because I heard Loki is meant to be in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness movie, which it sounds like that movie is shaping up to be absolutely incredible. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I'm excited for Sam Raimi. I'm excited for seeing Wanda in that movie and uh, seeing Stephen Strange again throwing Loki into the mix and and all of the implications for what this opening of the multiverse does for the MCU is so exciting. A couple of things I didn't touch on in in this reflection on the finale is the scene between Ravona and Mobius when again it's like they're sort of um like Loki and Sylvie they're not seeing things the same way, right? This kind of false dichotomy is set up where on the one hand Ravona is saying like you're going to get chaos and you're going to get death and Mobius is like yeah, but you're going to get free will. And she says only one person gets free will, the one in charge. They accuse each other of betraying each other. Again, talk about their eons of friendship. And Mobius, of course, says we can't take away people's free will. Maybe we can build this into something better. 
And then when she dips out, she says she's going to go off in search of free will. So my idea here is that perhaps uh, the the files that Miss Minutes gave her um, maybe revealed something a bit more to her, and maybe she's going off into another timeline to find a variant of He Who Remains or Kang. Uh, so I, I guess we'll see. And the other thing that we get in terms of Ravona's backstory in this episode is that she was a principal of FDR High School, which is, of course, the pen that we saw uh, back in episode two. So still curious about, um, you know, why she's made the decisions that she has made, but it's going to be, but I'm looking forward to getting a definitive answer on, on where she's off to and what her relationship with He Who Remains might be in the future. So that was it for Loki season one. Uh, as I said, knowing that this was a season finale and not a series one kind of changed the the metric by which I am assessing it in terms of unanswered questions or loose threads that are hanging, because if you have a season finale, you want some of those unanswered questions drawing people in for the next season. What's unique about this, of course, is that in between this season and the next one, there will also be a number of other installments in the MCU. And because of the way the MCU works, we're going to be seeing Loki and we're going to be hopping around the timeline and hopping around perhaps different timelines. And so the storytelling web is getting more and more intricate and bigger, which of course I'm very excited about. And there are just so many different opportunities, different possibilities of where this is going to go. And I am happily along for the ride. So Loki season one, episode six of Loki, Beautiful, unique, stunning visuals. Love the emphasis on dialogue. Love the emphasis on character building. I think that the themes did come together in the end in a powerful way. And uh, stay tuned in the coming weeks because I'm going to continue to be reflecting on this idea of autonomy and, and choice as being very prevalent in phase four. And I'm planning to do an episode in which I talk about WandaVision, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Loki, and even Black Widow uh, with that thematic connection. If you enjoyed this reflection on the season one finale of Loki, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Pender Illustrations on Instagram. And music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. Next week, there won't be a new episode of There Was an Idea, but stay tuned the following weeks for my deep dive into Black Widow and some other fun episodes coming up. Thanks for listening.